0: Lord may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be fully acceptable in your sight and give us the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I decided to give a little of my background. You see, I come from the country of the windmills. And we have a we had a Happy family until the age of ten. My father was an ardent mountaineer until he fell in a ravine. And he was at the age of ten. This happened in Austria. And so I was with my mother and myself, and then later on I got my children, my 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 uh, sister. And here I grew up as a teenager without a father. You know, you may pity me, but maybe that was good, because I was free to do whatever I wanted. I was free to wallow in Babylon. A worldly teen. No good. My sister would say, Never mind Gerard, mother, I will always take care of you. Don't worry about this guy. And so she also died at the age of 10. And every year when I visit Holland, I pay my respect to that place. And so only my mother and I grow up. And of course I have a strong will and frequently my mother had to succumb and gave me the freedom. And so I browsed in many, many sources religions and at the age of 15 I was an existentialist. Uh, I was a favor of jazz. I went to the Amsterdam to the midnight concert that started at 12 and went to 3 this was life yes a man of the world but then the lord touched me because of one book that i found in our book library and that book was called our day in the light of bible prophecy W.A. Spicer and I had been taught from home that you challenge everything and if it is good and true run with this and there I was here I tested the prophecies and everything happened to be fulfilled yes yes At that time, I was studying at the School of Aeronautics, wanted to be an aeronautical engineer. And so, I didn't have too much time to explore those prophetic pictures. Because, you know, busy with school and whatever, you want to do well. And uh, then I finished that. And then I was drafted into the Royal Dutch Air Force and there he had more time. Because in the Air Force and in the Army, you waste a lot of time. You know, fighting and mock battles and those kind of things. And I always enjoyed discussing things. And we had there spiritual formation. That was in the 60s. And so, what did you have to do? You had to go either to the... To the chaplain of the Catholic or the Protestants. The Catholics brought dancing and women and the Protestants had serious discussions. And I liked that. And I told the chaplain why doesn't he teach us that we should as Christians not anymore continue in the Air Force. Because the Bible says thou shalt not kill. And so he was really annoyed with some of those things. Then one day, there was a special session with all our guys there together. And the topic was, what can you do as Christians on Sunday? Suddenly I called. I read in this book about the Sunday law. And that Sunday was not biblical, and that you can do for Sunday whatever you want. And so, at the end of this discussion, the chaplain asked, "Is there anyone here in the audience who has anything to contribute?" And so I couldn't stop, but jumped up and went to the front. and in the next 15, 20 minutes. Everything what I still could recall of Bible prophecy and Daniel 7 and Revelation, whatever was there still, I shared. The guys, dead silent. And so the chaplain said, you know, friends, what this gentleman says, uh, much is true, but we are running out of time, so let's pray. That was the end. So my fellow fellow, People in the Air Force said, Domsticks, we are sick and tired that you continue to harass us and tell us what we need to do, and you are not even a Christian. You shut up or you follow what you say to us. So, at that time, Providence put a card in my hand, and it was a Invitation from the Voice of Prophecy to take Bible studies. So I said I need more ammunition to discuss my fellows and the chaplain, and so I wrote on, and I took the course. And the course changed my life. And so, friends, I decided what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Shall I go in the aeronautics and make lots of money, travel the world, fly around? But Jesus is coming. And what about the investigative judgment? Judgment is already here. And who knows about it? So, I went to an Adventist pastor, asking him to give me some more Bible studies, and said, you know, how can I now learn this beautiful message? Do you have an institute? Yes, yes. We have a school. We have a school. I said, "Can I can I attend this?" He says, "No, you are not even being baptized. So how would you like to study this?" Oh, I said, "It Does, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I like to study this." So I said, "I like to go to that school." So I said, "But well, it costs money." Okay. I said, "What about the church? Doesn't the church provide the money?" Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And so they gave me a briefcase with books. He says, there are all the people that need to hear the message. If you are successful in canvassing, the Lord has called you. If not, you do something else. (laughs) So I left the Air Force and there I had (laughs) my books. The first week, the first day actually, I sold eight magazines. That will not do it. So the next day, I sold sixteen magazines. The next day, magazines and some books. In one week, the Lord allowed me to break all the records of canvassing in Holland. So I must be called by the Lord. So that is my session. I gave up at existentialism and Adventism, brought me the woman of my life. I dated around, couldn't find anybody until I met her. And that was the end of my dating experience. And a beautiful life with her. Then I became a pastor. Actually, I got first my doctorate, because I got my doctorate, and the reason why I studied my doctorate is because uh, I want to become a pastor. But I read in Ellen White that the best ministerial talent needs to be an excellent pastor, and then you should teach. And so the young conference gave me opportunities, you know, to go to that university or go to the Philippines and whatever. But I said, you know, this is what the Spirit of Prophecy says. I haven't even been a pastor. Oh, dumbstitch, don't worry about it, you know. We need to do accreditation. You know, remember all those degrees and whatever. I said, I'm not interested in accreditation. I want to follow the Lord. And so I became a pastor in Potomac Conference. And we were very successful. And then the Lord called me to the mission fields, Thailand, and so on. And we had a tremendous uh, blessing there. But when I was a pastor in Potomac Conference, I had a unique opportunity to um, become on the front lines. And there it was. Desmond Ford, me on the Desmond Ford Committee and Glacier View. And I saw the shipwreck of many pastoral friends. And it was based on the beautiful teaching of righteousness by faith. But in a way, that prophecy and the three angels' messages and the investigative judgment lost its significance. Says that is terrible, 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 and so I investigated this more and studied more. Of this, and so this is gives you some of the background of the personality that is standing here. It is whatever I have accomplished in life. It's thank to the Lord, and to Him is the praise. And so. Therefore, this, I want to make it as practical as possible, and I call it the experience of rising by faith in Christ. And the biblical teaching of rising by faith in Christ affects the experience of believers in three phases. Past, present, and future. Today, I will spend quite a bit of time on the past. Tomorrow, and the days after that, Righteousness by faith, today. How does it affect your church members? How does it affect you in everything you do? And if we really understand Righteousness by faith, clearly it's dynamite. And we can never be the same. And that is what our churches need. Not a pastor that shares a lot of interesting anecdotes and whatever. And whatever. No, no, no. First, the experience of rising by faith in Christ in the past. And of course, that starts with repentance. And what is it? Genuine repentance produces godly sorrows and results in a radical change in attitude towards God and sin. And if our church members don't grasp the significance of godly sorrow and sin you can have a powerful church worker, a powerful uh, worker. God's Spirit convict those who receive Him of the seriousness of sin by bringing them to a sense of God's righteousness and their own lost condition. Second Corinthians 7.10 You are lost without the righteousness of Christ. And unless the righteousness of Christ affects you and changes you, you're wasting time. God's pardon not only provides forgiveness for sin, but it reclaims them from sin. It purifies. And not just like many other Protestants say, righteous by faith, oh yes, it is justification and you will declare just and the rest doesn't matter. No, friends repentance we have to realize is a gift of god you don't create repentance it's a gift but what are you going to do with this gift motivation for repentance look at the cross look at the cross it is the goodness of god at calvary that leads us to repentance what happened there it was for me. Am I worth it? No. What about my works? Nothing at all is the goodness of God in Jesus. Justification. In general, justification, as used theologically, is the divine act by which God declares a penitent sinner righteous or regards him as righteous. And it's interesting, if you look at the book of Romans, and some of you, I'm sure, read the book of Romans many times, and if you go through the first five chapters, it's justification. Clearly, the, the whole foundation of why God declares us just, but there it doesn't stop there. It goes to verse, chapter 6, 7, and 8, and that is sanctification. You see, there it deals, sanctification by faith in Christ's righteousness. What about baptism? You are dead, completely dead to sin. Was I when I was baptized? Oh no, I continue to dance. You know, I mean, I had it all here. But my actions certainly not revealed should be there and so in a beautiful way here but justification is important it is the first important thing of the gospel when you present the good news to people have you done that, pastor have you explained the practical dimension of justification just as if I have never sinned it's incredible incredible The basis of this justification is not our obedience, but Christ's. For through one man's righteousness act, the free of gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. By one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Romans 5 18 and 19. Now, what about our works? What about our faith? Abram's faith, friends, remember, was credited as righteousness before he had the works of circumcision. Romans 4, verse 9 and 10. Works are the response of thankfulness to Christ's saving grace. The experience of justification. Justification by faith in Christ His righteousness is imputed to us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 It is full and complete pardon. It's imputed because it doesn't mean pardon because we cannot generalize this. We don't generalize this. Justification by faith. The vision of Zechariah about Joshua, the high priest. Zechariah chapter 3 the exchange of clothes is the biblical doctrine of justification experiencing forgiveness and purification of sin takes away the dirty clothes and gives us the righteousness and that righteousness doesn't cover dirty things it purifies so you know that is extremely important that many don't fully realize the twofold dimension of pardon. You see, it is forgiveness and purification. A result of justification, sanctification. is the automatic result. If we are truly justified, we experience sanctification. It's automatically. True repentance and justification leads to sanctification. And that is in the second part of Romans, chapter 6, 7, and 8. And the struggle in chapter 7, you know, it's a struggle. Struggle. Even those who are converted, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. But thanks in chapter 8, thanks to Christ, we gain the victory. Not ours, but Christ. And so if you're still in the Romans 7 struggle, don't give up. But look at Christ. And that is the practicality of the whole thing. (coughs) Result of justification, sanctification. Justification and sanctification are closely related distinct but never separate. That's what you see among some of us or even in the Protestant world. They designate two phases of salvation. Justification is what God does for us while sanctification is what God does in us. It's beautiful here. Neither justification nor sanctification is the result of meritorious works. Both are solely due to Christ's grace and his righteousness. And that is what we have to say. Even sanctification and Sabbath keeping and doing those things it's solely the result of grace and righteousness. And even those who are doing very very carefully in Sabbath keeping why do you be careful? Because you are careful what Christ did on the cross but it doesn't contribute anything to what you get through grace. Result of justification, sanctification. The righteousness by which we are justified is imputed. The righteousness by which we are sanctified is imparted. See, both of them is righteousness. The first is our title to heaven. The second is our fitness for heaven. Have you appreciated your justification, what Christ did? Say? If you do, you will see it in your works. But they are the result. And you do this, and the result shows how fit you are. Keep it in mind. Are you fit? Then you have understood the message of Justification. Result again, the three phases of sanctification the Bible presents are and the rest of the week we are spending a considerable amount of time to what sanctification by faith in Christ does. But first you have to realize what is justification. What Christ does for you. And so in regard to sanctification, what we will deal with is an accomplishment act in the believer's past, a process in the believer's present experience. And the final result in the believer's experience at Christ's return. So in every phase, sanctification plays a role. The result? As to the believer's past, at the moment of justification, declare you, you know, everything is gone in the past. The believer is also sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. 1 Corinthians six eleven. <clears throat> he or she becomes a saint. We don't use it. We hear too many sermons. We are all sinners. And we are all bad, no good. And Catholics and, and Adventists, they are all same. Come on. Come on. What does the Bible say? even if you are not perfect in everything, you're still being a saint. Maybe we should adjust our concept of what is sainthood. At that point, the new believer is redeemed and belongs fully to God. You know, this is fantastic. We are now adopted in God's family. At the same time, new believers have received the spirit of adoption God has adopted them as his children and he has made them heirs, joint heirs of Christ. Romans 8, verse 15 to 70. Isn't it a privilege? That you belong, belong to Him, to His family. And you know, if our Bible studies are geared to this, the self worth of the individual raises sky high because of Jesus. Then comes the assurance of salvation. Justification brings also the assurance of the believer's acceptance. No matter how sinful one's past life, God pardons all sins and we are no longer under the condemnation and curse of the law. In Him we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of His grace. Ephesians 7 is Isn't it beautiful? I mean, I go quickly through it, but I hope that after this week, you are prayfully consider those things and make it your own. The beginning of a new and victorious life. The realization that the Savior's blood covers our sinful past, brings healing to body, soul, and mind. It's a part of health reform feelings of guilt may be dispensed with for in Christ all is forgiven, all is new. What do you say? Amen. Then the gift of eternal life. Our new relationship with Christ brings with it the gift of eternal life. John affirmed he who has the Son has life and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. 1 John five twelve. Our sinful past has been cared for. Through the indwelling spirit, we can enjoy the blessings of salvation. Friends, we have to keep in mind, we are a joyful people. We can enjoy it. And unless you reflect on those things, you cannot be joyful. And so everyone that we lead to the baptismal bond should be a transformed person who is very Joyful. Now we go, we have left the past, and we go now to righteousness by faith in the present. And both of them evolve sanctification and justification. Through Christ's blood, bringing purification, justification, and sanctification, the believer is now a new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. And then you get the call to sanctification by faith. Salvation includes living a sanctified life on the basis of what Christ has accomplished through his atoning sacrifice at the cross. Think about it. Paul appealed to the believers to live a life consecrated to ethical holiness and moral conduct. This is not legalism. No. It's on the basis of what the cross, what he has done. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7. To enable them to experience sanctification, God gives believers the spirit of holiness. Romans 1, verse 4. The spirit-filled believer do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Romans 8, verse 1, and compare it with chapter 8, verse 4. And that is an internal change. Now I tell you, I mean, initially for me it was an intellectual experience, but I didn't have the internal change because I didn't know how to and your people when you lead them to baptism should experience this should be a total different experience but you have to teach them that how to how to how to and so here then at the second advent we will be changed physically this corruptible mortal body will put on immortality first corinthians 15 verse 51 to 54 however Our sinful character must also undergo a transformation into what? The mind of Christ, in preparation for the second advent. And if that is not present, we have wasted our time. We wasted our time. Philippians 2, verse 5 through 13, and we will spend some more time on that later on. The evolvement of Christ in the Holy Spirit. As we meditate on Christ's life, the Holy Spirit restores the physical, mental, and spiritual faculties. Titus 3, verse 5. The Holy Spirit work involves revealing Christ and restoring us into Christ's image. Romans 8, verse 1 to 10. And here it is. It took many, many years before I realized the significance of partaking of the divine nature. And this, we have to, you know, I I analyzed a number of Ellen White's sermons and many, many times she comes back to Peter and she explains that. You know? Why should you preach all the time on the same subject? Huh. Because our people don't get the message. You you know, and and, and you have to do the same. Go over it. He says, Pastor, don't you have anything else to do? Then he said, hey, have you partaking of the divine nature. Me? How to? Again, another Bible study. (laughs) Christ exceeding great and precious promises pledged his divine power to complete the transformation of our character. 2 Peter 1 verse 4. This access to divine power and tomorrow morning we will spend a lot of time on the power that is there. Allows us to add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge self control, self control perseverance, perseverance godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, and then finally brotherly kindness love. Well, we have faith and love. You know, you just accept it. Second Peter one verse five to seven, no friends. Faith is not enough. Add to your faith virtue. You see. And then the knowledge. You study more and more and more about the plan of salvation and you incorporate the added knowledge and insight into your life. That's how you grow. And that is where you achieve finally, beyond brotherly love, the truth, agape. You get the message? See? Only through Christ. As the Holy Spirit enables the divine Christ to partake of human nature So the Spirit enables us to partake of the divine character traits. You see here an exchange? This approbation of the divine nature renews the inner person. It makes us Christ-like, though on a different level. Whereas Christ became human, believers do not become divine. Rather, they become God-like in character. See here? The beautiful interchange of the approbation. It's a dynamic process. Sanctification is progressive. By prayer and study of the word, we constantly grow in fellowship with God. And therefore, I really appreciate that, uh, that program that uh, the General Conference has launched a number of years ago, that the whole church goes, you know, every day you read a chapter. And I speak in many churches, people don't do it. Our conference never bought into this. And so we don't... Hey, listen, I mean, if your conference fails, should you hear failure? No, you don't. And that is very, very important. My wife and I, you know, in the morning, we read a chapter in the Bible. And we are now where? everybody knows where we are? The book of Job. We nearly finished. And in the evening, we read a chapter, the Spirit of Prophecy. We are now on the letters and manuscripts. And they are 50,000, so probably I will never finish it before, unless the Lord comes. <laughs> but I will not make the 50,000. But it is beautiful, you know. Now, people say, you know, why don't you re- read? Here is another good book, here is another good book, here is another good book. There are many good books. The thing is, time constraint. I tell them, you know, I have only time for the best, and the best is the fully inspired, and not reading something that somebody else has digested already. I can digest it myself. Don't take the pleasure away from me. You see, that is my philosophy. You know, my apology to the ABC. You know, they they do great. They they do a good book. But if I had more time, you know. Luther says, give me more time. No, I don't have it. A mere intellectual understanding of the plan of salvation will not suffice. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood... Christ reveals you have no life in you, John six fifty three to fifty six. Is it? We have to digest this. You know, we have to get an, another Revelation ten experience of the early Adventists because the early Adventists. I mean, you know, if you read some of those reviews there, you know, I mean, <laughs> people say, you know, today, oh, I need more stories. I mean, anecdotes. One story after another story from the Bible and one text after another text. They knew their Bible. Biblical perfection. In God's sight, a perfect person is one whose heart and life are wholly surrendered to the worship and service of God, who is constantly growing in divine knowledge and who is through God's grace living up to all the light has received while rejoicing in a life of defeat no, victory Colossians 4.12 and James 3.12 I mean we are the luckiest, happiest people in the world because of the victory that God gave, and that is the result of justification, understanding then sanctification and you go on and on and on to perfection and you will go on throughout eternity and you will never reach the summer, but you continue and continue. Isn't the farm wonderful? Never a graduation and always growing and growing and, and wallowing in the love of God. That's fantastic. Full perfection is only in Christ. Apart from Christ, human beings cannot attain, obtain righteousness. He who abides in me and I in him, he said, bears much fruit. For without me you cannot do nothing. You can do nothing. John 15, 5. It is Christ who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. 1 Corinthians 1, 30. In Christ, these qualities constitute our perfection. He completed once and for all our sanctification and redemption. And no one can add to what he has done. Our wedding garment, or robe of righteousness, was wrought out by Christ, like Christ's life, death, and resurrection. The Holy Spirit now takes the finished product and works it out in the Christian life. In this way, we can be filled with all the fullness of God. Ephesians 3:19. ten nineteen. Isn't it amazing that Paul dares to say you can be filled with all the fullness of God. Me? Yes, you can. But not through you, through my grace. Friends, this is the most joyful experience that we can have. There is nothing that can even come close to that. And then go on and go on. Through the indwelling Christ, we grow up spiritual, grow up to my spiritual maturity. Through God's gift to his church, we can develop to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, Ephesians 4.13. We need to grow beyond our spiritual childhood experience, Ephesians 4.14. Beyond basic truth of Christian experience, moving on to the solid food prepared for mature believers, Hebrews 5.14. Therefore, Paul says, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Hebrews 6, 1. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But it is all in Christ. And unless you are drunk with Christ, you will never have this. People should see when you go to Sabbath to church. Your total appearance, the way you dress, the way you act, the way you speak. And they should be jealous and say, hey, how can you be so happy in this world that is covered with unrighteousness? And so, don't forget, in the present we have also daily justification. Now, why do we have daily justification? Didn't we have it in the past? And is that not sufficient? No, friends. Daily. All believers who are living the spirit-filled, sanctified life is the Christ-possessed, have a continuing need for daily justification. Christ bestowed. We need this because of conscious transgressions and because of errors we may commit unwillingly. We had not planned for it. Realizing the sinfulness of the human heart, David requested forgiveness for his hidden faults, the unknown. Psalm 19, verse 12, Revised Standard Version, and Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Speaking specifically of the sins of believers, God assures us, that if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. 1 John 2, verse 1. Beautiful. And now, this is the last phase, a short phase, experience of righteousness by faith in the future. So we have a past, present, and future. And most of us are involved in the present. And tomorrow, specifically, I will address this and how the affects. Affected the Adventist church so what about the experience of righteousness by faith in the future glorification and sanctification the indwelling Christ in our heart is one of the conditions for the future salvation the glorification of our mortal bodies Christ in you Paul says is the hope of glory Colossians 1.27 explaining in another place If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you, Romans 8 to 11. Paul assures us, God chose you for salvation through the sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth for obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. It's beautiful, beautiful. And then, glorification and perfection. Sanctification is a lifelong process. Perfection now is ours only in Christ. But the ultimate, all comprehensive transformation of our life into the image of God will take place at the second advent. And it goes beyond this. And so, friends, Those are the phases that makes righteousness by faith in Christ relevant. Can you see how important it is? Now the question is, have you had the privilege to share those with your Bible students before baptism? You see? If they get this whole picture, what an assurance this is. We don't need to preach every time assurance of salvation because they know it. In the past we were justified. The cross we were sanctified. We are now saints. Even if we make these times mistakes but we grow and grow and grow. And so now sanctification, justification in the present stage. Do we experience this? And if we really realize friends this and the importance and how God has tried to rally the Adventist church in many, many ways. How long should we continue to have a new revival and a new reformation? A new revival and a new reformation. We should have it a daily revival and a daily reformation. And if our church members only grasp this because it is for the daily sanctification that comes a power of holiness... That's incredible. And do our people really taste this? That's the question. And they will say in many cases, no. Ellen Weiss mentions, you know, there is a great dearth, a great dearth of righteousness by faith. In the experience. Oh yes, they said, you know, yes, we know it, we know it. In 1888 or so, we know it, we know it. And Ellen Weiss says, yeah. You know, we know it, we know it. But it was never put in the center of the three angels' messages. And we always say, yeah, the three angels' messages, how, how to marry those things is important. All the Christian churches deal with righteousness by faith. The Lutherans, the Calvinists, you go, go, when I was at the World Council of Churches, and I was uh, there studying investigating that animal there you know what is it or whatever they came to me and said you know downsteek we can't we can't understand you you always emphasize the sabbath and the sabbath don't you know that we cannot keep the law anyway if you believe that you cannot keep the law anyway why should you even do it no but I, tomorrow I will show you how the power, there is a power in the word, in grace, in the scriptures, in the angels, that is incredible. And that is what, that well, you know, is the engine that God wants us to incorporate. What do you say? And I hope that those presentations that I, and I have pleaded with the Lord, that they may be practical as as, as possible. And so therefore, friends, may the Lord enrich you in your experience with righteousness by faith in Christ. It is an experience, not just a doctrine, but an experience. And if you don't have the experience, you miss the best thing in life that Adventism has to offer. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio,